So all these things that God has been instructing Moses about, the Ten Commandments, the various laws that he has given Moses, now he's instituting the construction of the tabernacle and the various implements and the furniture of the tabernacle. All these things pointed forward to Jesus Christ. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. And we're looking at the building of the tabernacle tonight, or at least the blueprints. They haven't started constructing yet. But the blueprints of the tabernacle, I titled this chapters 27 and 28 of Exodus for glory and beauty. And for Exodus 27, I chose verse 20, where the Lord told Moses, you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to cause the lamp to burn continually. And so it was hard to kind of glean through chapter 27 and find a key verse. And there were two possibilities that I looked at and kind of zeroed in on the importance of the oil of the lamp that the menorah would continue to burn in the house of the Lord. And so tonight we're going to look at God giving Moses instructions. Moses is still on the mountain. He's received the Ten Commandments from the Lord, but the Lord gave him numerous instructions about the building of the tabernacle, laying out all the the courtyard of the tabernacle, the tents of the tabernacle, the items that would be in the tabernacle itself, the Holy of Holies, and contained within the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. I don't think we've gotten to the altar of incense yet, but we will look at the bronze altar and the tabernacle tonight and the altar of burnt offerings and the court of the tabernacle and then the care for the lamp, the menorah, all kind of contained in here. We need to remember as we go through These descriptions, they are a copy of the heavenlies. That's why the Lord continued to say, as we closed out in Exodus 25, 40, see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. And so 
they were required to follow the instructions and the building, the blueprints, the specifications that God is giving Moses for the children of Israel, that they would construct a tabernacle, that the Lord's presence would be among them, as we'll learn later, much later, a few chapters to go, but we'll learn that the tabernacle would be set up largely in the center of the camp, that all the people, when they would rise up in the morning and come out of their tent doors, all facing, no matter if they're from the east, west, north, or south, they all face toward the tabernacle in the presence of God. And so we find these a wonderful study as we go through. It helps us to understand the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, why certain metals were used from gold to silver to bronze, and we begin in chapter 27, looking at the bronze altar in verses 1 through 8. I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, You shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. And you shall make its horns on its four corners, its horns shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. Although there are two altars connected to the tabernacle, the temple worship, the altar of incense was made of pure gold, and no sacrifices were to be offered on that altar. They would receive the blood of the sacrifice. Incense that were fueled from the fire of the bronze altar would give the fuel, the light to burning of the incense on the golden altar that was inside the tabernacle. But the bronze altar was outside in the courtyard of the tabernacle area. And it was a place where the priests ministered to God for the people. And the people themselves could bring their offerings to the Lord. And so if we read the entirety of the bronze altar, we find, as we pick up in verses 3 through 8, Also you shall make its pans to receive its ashes, its shovels and its basins, its forks, its fire pans, and you shall make all its utensils of bronze. You shall make a grate for it, a network of bronze, and on the network you shall make four bronze rings at all its corners, and you shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath that the network may be midway up the altar and you shall make poles for the altar poles of acacia wood and overlay them with bronze the poles shall be put into the rings and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it and you shall make it hollow with boards this as it is shown on the mountain so they make it. And so the specifications of this altar, it was actually made of bronze. And in the Bible, bronze speaks of judgment. And so it was a place for the worshipers to bring their offerings to the Lord where sacrifices would be made and a memorial portion of that sacrifice would be burned up on the altar, the blood sprinkled on the horns of the altar. The bronze altar made of acacia wood once again, and we looked at that last week, 
a very hard, tight-grained wood that uh, is resistant to insects and perfect for what it was being used for here. And it was to be made of this acacia wood overlaid with bronze. It was to be square. It said five cubits by five cubits for us. It was seven and a half feet squared and four and a half feet high. It had horns on the corners of the altars in the Bible. Horns speaks about power, speaks about strength. We'll read of those in the Old Testament a couple of times. People would take refuge by grabbing onto the horns of the altar, something which they were not to touch, but they would take refuge there. But it was hollow. It had a grate in the center of it, and so it, it was hollow because they were not to have an altar that was constructed by the hands of men. As God said in Exodus 20, 24 and 25, an altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep, your oxen, and in every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. And so it was hollow because the altar was set over either a, a mound of dirt or a mound of unhewn stones. And that was the altar of the Lord. And this grating system around it uh, was something that they could carry from place to place where sacrifices would be made. Today, the sacrifice has been provided for us by Jesus' work upon the cross. Hebrews 10, verses 4 and 5, well, 4 and then 9 and 10 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Everything that God was setting up for Israel was technically a temporary solution until the coming of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. And so we're looking at the first and the tabernacle and the offering system that God set up. God takes away the first, which we're looking at tonight, that he might establish the second that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And then Hebrews 10.10 10 says, By that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. So all these things that God has been instructing Moses about, the Ten Commandments, the various laws that he has given Moses, now he's instituting the construction of the tabernacle and the various implements and the furniture of the tabernacle. All these things pointed forward to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus today, that bronze symbolizing judgment, he has taken the judgment of our sins upon him that we might be able to walk in fellowship with God. He has done this, as the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10.10, 10, he's done this once and for all. Once and for all, it's a finished work. Never has to be repeated again. Once and for all, for all who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved.
So the courtyard of the tabernacle, verses 9 through 19, he says in verse 9, You shall make the court of the tabernacle for the south side. There shall be hangings for the court made of fine woven linen, 100 cubits long for one side. Picking up in verse 10 down through 19, as its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets shall be of bronze, and the hooks of the pillars and their bands shall be of silver. So we have a combination here of bronze and silver outside in the courtyard. Likewise, along the length of the north side, there shall be hangings 100 cubic long, so equal in length uh, for us would be 150 feet. But 100 cubics long on the north side, 100 cubics is 20 pillars and 20 sockets of bronze, the hooks and pillars, and their bands of silver. And then along the width of the court of the west side, the back side of the courtyard of the sanctuary, it should be 50 cubics with their 10 pillars and their 10 sockets, and the width of the court on the east side shall be 50 cubits. So it's a rectangle, 75 feet in width and 150 feet long. And the east side would be the opening, the door, that they would be able to gain access to the courtyard and to the tabernacle itself. And so worshipers could enter the courtyard only the priest could serve in the tabernacle and only the high priest in the Holy of Holies that was in the tabernacle. We're on the uh, east side, the hangings, verse 14. On one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits with their three pillars and three sockets. On the other side shall be the hanging of 15 cubits with their three pillars and three sockets. So they're forming an opening on the east side that would be about 30 feet wide for people to come and go in that courtyard. For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen 20 cubits long, woven in blue and purple and scarlet yarn, a fine linen thread made by a weaver. It shall have four pillars and four sockets. The pillars around the court shall have bands of silver, and their hooks shall be of silver, and their sockets of bronze. The length of the cord shall be 100 cubits, and its width 50 cubits for us, 150 feet by 75 feet. And woven of fine linen thread and of sockets of bronze, all the utensils of the tabernacle for all its service and on all its pegs, and the pegs of the court shall be of bronze." And so rapidly, just kind of going through this linen-weaved uh, fence that went around the outer portion of the courtyard. You know, basing on a cubit, I think, again, they say 18 inches from the man's elbow to the tip of his fingers. Years ago, I measured mine. It used to be 90, 19 inches. So it depends. Um, what that measurement was. Some take it up to 21 and a half inches. Uh, they would use the same calculations of, I think, the longer, 21 and a half. It's the replica of the Ark down in Kentucky that you can go visit. It's based on the larger, larger cubic measurements. Either way, it would have been big, but it's really big. 
now, but they're basing it off that measurement for us in feet, 150 by 75. And most of the yard was in the front of the tabernacle. This in the front of the tabernacle was where the bronze altar was located, but also the bronze lavier where the priest would ceremonially, ceremonially wash before serving at the tabernacle. And so you had these two main pieces in the courtyard, mostly in the front, the bronze lavier that we haven't looked at yet, and then the bronze altar that we've recently looked at at the beginning of this chapter. And the gates of the courtyard, the screen was made of the same blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen that uh, was connected to the tabernacle itself. And so there was a, a bit of what was on the inner side of the tabernacle. Remember, we looked at this last week, and it began with this beautifully woven a piece of material with uh, cherubims woven into it, but made of the same blue, purple, and scarlet thread. But all of that was covered by the coverings that went over the tabernacle. So for the common people, the tent looked pretty common from the outside, but they did get a glimpse of it through the gates and the screen that made for the entry of the tabernacle. And then everything in the courtyard itself, all the utensils, the tabernacle, including its pegs, were made of bronze. Once again, this area spoke of judgment. It's where sin was dealt with in the courtyard of the tabernacle. And since there was only one entry to the courtyard, it caused the priest and the worshipers always to enter from the east. They always set the tabernacle, wherever they would move it and put the courtyard up again and tear it down. And if God would cause his Shekinah glory cloud to pick up and get on the move, especially during the 40 years of wilderness wanderings, it was always set up eastward. People always entered from the east in Israel today. There is an eastern gate in the old wall of the temple that is no longer there, but you can see an eastern gate that's half buried under the earth that's around it, and there's a Muslim uh, graveyard planted right in front of that gate. They have the Muslims blocked it in. They know, they read scripture too, and they know that the Bible says Jesus, when he returns, he's going to come through the eastern gate. And so they blocked in the gate. It's all right, you're not going to get in, Jesus. We're not going to let you in. And they put a, their graveyard there, a Muslim graveyard, just outside the wall to defile it. None of this will keep Jesus out, but this is what they have attempted to do. It's kind of humorous from, I guess, this Western Christian mindset. So if you go to Israel, you have the Mount Moriah where the Temple Mount is, and today we have the Muslims' mosque on top of that, two mosques up there. But you have that, and on the east side, they have planted this Muslim graveyard. You go into this deep valley, and it comes back up to the Mount of Olives. And on the Mount of Olives side, there is a Jewish graveyard. All the Jews are buried with their feet pointing toward the Temple Mount. 
So when the resurrection happens, they're facing the right direction. All they have to do is pop up out of the grave. So that's the humorous side for me. But today, salvation isn't through a physical temple. There is no temple. It is an impossibility. Today, the Jews, Orthodox Jews, say that it's their good works now that keep them in fellowship with God because there's no sacrifice. Well, this is because Jesus Christ has already paid the price for us. We already looked at that. Hebrews 10.10 again. By that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And then Jesus today, in John 10.9, he declared for us today, and is still true to this day, in John 10.9, Jesus declared to his disciples, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So today, Christ is the door. To enter into fellowship, we have to enter through Christ and his offering, his sacrifice. Let's go ahead and stand together. Here on Wednesday evenings, and for those who are listening on the radio tonight, and those maybe watching or listening at a later time, we've had a habit for the last year plus of going through the ABCs of salvation. And partly I do this to kind of train us up. Maybe one day we'll be in a situation where we want to share the word of God with someone and uh, we'll be thinking, what's A stand for? Well, A stands for admit. Admit to God that you are a sinner and ask for his forgiveness. The Bible tells us in Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in 1 John 1, 9, it tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The A, admit to God that you are a sinner. The B is believe. Believe in the work that Jesus did upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, and receive that gift of salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We need to believe in the work of Jesus and that which he did upon the cross. And the C is for confess. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Share that faith with others. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those who might need prayer have questions. If you're here, you can talk to me. If you're listening, Please email us at cclv at comcast.net. We'd love to correspond with you. cclv at comcast.net. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this night, for learning about the tabernacle. These things, Lord, are are very foreign to us. Um, We can see pictures, and I today I was looking at a book of pictures about the temple and the tabernacle and the priestly garments, trying to get a better understanding of these things. We can go to Israel and see the Temple Institute and see some of these things that have already been reconstructed and are prepared for the third temple to be used in the third temple. 
But sometimes, Lord, it's hard for us to get a clear picture. But we see a significance in the tabernacle, the three different metals used, gold inside the tabernacle, silver and bronze outside. In the courtyard, the bronze specifically dealing with sacrificial offerings and judgment. And we see a connection of all these things to our Savior Jesus, who became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins upon the cross, who is the true high priest that serves and mediates in our behalf at the throne of God today in the true tabernacle of God, which is in heaven. So, Lord, as we go through the construction of these things, help us to gain a better understanding of the work and ministry of Christ, that we might know you better, that we might draw closer to you in all things. Bless us, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. I pray that God would bless you and keep you that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847 847- Two six five zero six four six. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Hey.